Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast with me, Mark Cribb, and another week flies by. And if I'm honest, if you have an interest in the hospitality sector, particularly restaurants, things have not really got any prettier this week. We're still being informed we'll be the last sector to open, and with physical distancing enforced, many operators are crunching the numbers and letting the public and the government know that the opening is likely to be financially unviable for most people for quite some time to come. But many high-profile chefs and hospitality bigwigs have been getting significant coverage for the kind of support that we're going to need. From the National Time Out campaign for nine months rent-free, to raising the bar to get the £51,000 rateable value lifted for grants, to a potential drop in VAT for 12 months at least, and the staggered extension of the furlough scheme for the hospitality sector, there are still a lot of unknowns, but plenty of initiatives that are very much worth fighting for and that will increase our industry's chance of survival. If you've not done so yet, do head over to the website hospitalityunion.co.uk where there are already over two and a half thousand hospitality business owners who are joining forces to positively campaign for assistance and you can join up on that site. It's with that backdrop in this week's episode, I am chatting with Stephen Lamb. Now, Stephen is particularly well known for having worked with River Cottage right from its foundation years. And now he makes a living consulting, presenting, training, writing and more. As a freelancer, falling between the gaps of all the personal and business support in this crisis, I wanted to see what Stephen was doing to try and navigate away through the challenges, particularly his moves into the online world, trying to run virtual food festivals, online training, and a health and well-being site, Slow Life, Good Life. I love this sector for its speed of creativity, its optimism, and its can-do attitude to pivot and find a way through whatever it takes. And I hope that conversations with the likes of Steve provide a little bit of inspiration on standing up and thinking outside the box so that we don't all just end up sobbing and rocking in a corner. And remember, whilst I know times are tough, if you can support the podcast by hopping over to the Patreon site, please do go to humansofhospitality.co.uk forward slash donate, and there you'll find the tip jar and more to help keep us on the air. Okay, thank you so much. And for now, please do enjoy this week's conversation with Stephen. Stephen Lamb, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Very much appreciated. First of all, before we start, how are you and your family? Everybody healthy and well? Yeah, hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. And um, thanks for asking about the family. Yeah, they're great, actually. Um, currently got the girls doing their homeschooling, uh, which is um, it, it's challenging uh, for me, not so much for them. Uh, <laughs> How old are the girls, then? So we're at six, nearly nine. I think we're heading for a lockdown birthday there. And ten. Oh, wow. Blimey. All girls. All girls. Yeah. Yeah. I have my daughter is also, she's stuck on the uh, BBC Bite Size, I think, at the moment, which is her preferred way of learning. She's 10 and she's quite enjoying that. But yeah, homeschooling has, uh, has got its challenges, although it sounds very quiet. You've done very well to keep them quiet. Well, you know, I, I can't quite believe it's that quiet. Um, it's, a, it's a busy household, uh, very lively. Uh, the girls are very gregarious. In fact, um, they've been... I mean, they're a bit more tech savvy than I am. And Never. Yeah, seriously. And and they're on their phones, FaceTiming and helping each other out, chatting to their friends. Because that's one of the things really that has affected them, you know, not being able to go to school. 
uh, they're missing their chums. Uh, and so, you know, it, the, the homeschooling is a challenge because I don't know what a compound fraction is. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, um, it's kind of using technology in a good way instead of that sort of insular, isolating way. It's very much creating a lovely little school network. So, I, you know, I think it's good. It's good. Yeah, that's nice. And I think girls are different to boys, to be fair, because my son is a bit like me, probably, in the fact that he's probably born to self-isolate. He's quite happy to be a miserable sod and sit at home and just play on his Xbox, whereas my daughter seems to be able to spend the entire day on WhatsApp video uh, and chat to her friends all day long. So yeah. Slightly different, even at a young age. Uh, when I came down and spoke to you, we were in that beautiful wooden villa in your i think it was your in-laws garden so you're not there you're at home are you? uh, yeah i'm at home i'm so that's funny you call it a villa we call it the hut <laughs> so it's not a hut it's not, yeah come on it's got it's got running water and bedrooms okay. and, a, and it, yeah it was let's, lovely let's compromise let's call it a cabin uh, yeah <laughs> okay cabin i did yeah. wonder what the word was cabin i'll go yeah. with cabin yeah so i'm at home uh downstairs uh sitting next to the Inglenock fireplace facing a corner as if I'm in detention, uh, but with a view out of the window and there's this funny stuff falling from the sky I haven't seen for ages. Yeah, as a seafront restaurateur, Stephen, this is the first rain we've pretty much had in about six six weeks, and I could imagine how busy I would have been uh, if we'd been open. But um, today's not about me. So you make your living in a variety of ways, but pretty much all linked to food in some guise, whether that's books or consultancy or events. Have you got anything still ticking along, or have you been pretty much in full shutdown? Well, I've got... Um... I've got a lot on, actually, but in the old sense of working and receiving an income, that's changed <laughs> dramatically. I think, like a lot of people in the hospitality sector, there's been this huge sort of invisible pause button. And um, my calendar, the family Gruffalo calendar, my, my column on the, on the family calendar was just wiped out, all the things that I was working out, apart from one thing, actually, which um, I'll perhaps talk about later on. But I'm busy. Uh, I think there's um, there's a point where you go, you cannot just be sat at home wringing your hands and worrying. You've got to try and do something. And what I've discovered that people in all sorts of, you know, different sectors, but particularly because my network is hospitality. I've seen some real positivity and people have risen to a very challenging time. And uh, I've been working on a, on a few projects. Um, I think within about three hours of the Prime Minister saying the word lockdown, total lockdown, some friends and uh, some friends of ours, Beth and Paul Kempton, uh, who we got to know, my wife and I, at the school gates, which is another platform where I used to love to have a chat. I was a great sort of school gate chatter, uh, and, and I'm missing that. But um, my business is, it takes me all over the place, particularly the teaching. And one of the things that that means is, is that, as you know, weekends tend to be, or the build-up to weekends tend to be the point where you're most busiest. And it's the point where the family are not doing so much because they have conventional school times or conventional jobs. And I was trying to work out with my wife how to create a bit more balance and be at home 
and you know that's almost impossible but we were thinking of doing quite a lot of stuff online because i think you know teaching online or doing uh classes or uh seminars uh, it kind of worked a part of what i did and then lockdown happened and our two friends Beth and Paul who already have an online business said well we've been thinking about doing this and and we said well that was funny we were thinking about doing the same and then we created this uh, platform and it's um, slowlifegoodlife.com it's a website and the aim of it is to try and create content so that people who are uh, self-isolating, socially distancing, or on lockdown themselves, could spend time learning how to bake bread, how to make sausages. We've got yoga teachers. We've got people who work with nature and crafting, musicians, fitness and well-being gurus, and, and they all post little videos onto our website. And it's a subscription model. And three times a week, we upload videos and have created quite a nice little vibe so you know we're busy doing that yeah amazing it's funny what good stuff comes out of this i think hospitality is full of creative people i think isn't it and just creating a little bit of space in their heads uh yeah lots of good stuff comes out of it and a need i suppose in many ways um to work out some sort of financial strategy speaking of which do you qualify for any kind of uh, grants you i presume you can't furlough yourself or can you have you got any support well i think that um somebody somewhere who came up with the idea of um grants business loans furloughs and any kind of possible chance to get uh, some money they they probably went onto my profile and went <laughs> that's the shape of the person that fits into every possible gap and yeah. you know um it's it's typical because i you know you and i i i imagine that you're the same as me because whenever there's a drop down menu trying to explain what you do i never find the category that suits me or fits me i'm this kind of you know it's it's the trouble with having a portfolio career but i must say you know i I think if i delved deeper and tried to find it i I currently i don't but potentially Well, you're probably right. I I thought it's interesting to know that Rishi revolved it around you, Stephen, because I thought you'd revolved it around me. So that's um, that's that's interesting to know because even with a business, my team are furloughed, which is great. But yeah, Yeah. I don't qualify as a company director, and our rateable values mean with the three premises we've got of the 75k that we would supposedly uh, qualify for, we actually only qualify for 10 due to our rateable values, which doesn't seem particularly fair because I'm I'm you know equally along with all the other restaurateurs, you know, we have zero pounds. Uh, revenue so it'd be nice if that got reassessed but no I presumed that that was the case and you too would be falling through the cracks so uh, I guess some of this comes from a financial motivation as well so we'll come back to uh, slow life good life but yeah. just in general you're you're well connected in the southwest have you seen some good examples I know you did a, a virtual food festival recently for example but so what's what's the general vibe with your uh, comrades shall we say down there in the food community what sort of good stuff's happening well I think that there's um, there's a there's a spirit born out of necessity really to try and um, get 
produce that they've grown. Say, for example, you know, I'm in a privileged position because I know a lot of people who grow food, produce amazing food, uh, restaurants, chefs. Okay. And um, just because the restaurants have closed doesn't mean to say that produce has stopped growing. You know, here we are bang in the middle of asparagus. Well, not in the just beginning, really. Uh, a very short window of growing asparagus. All of this has no outlet now. So producers are going, well, where can I put my asparagus? It doesn't, you know, it can't be left in the field to rot. And so there's a lot of innovation going on. A lot of people that I know have moved onto an online model uh, and they're trying to sell things uh, via their website where previously they hadn't really thought about that because they had shops and, and, and restaurants. There was a community shop which opened up on uh, in in Rusden, which is just five minutes away from <coughs> excuse me where I live in Lyme Regis, uh, and and it was it was a great idea, and then it got busy, and then it was difficult to manage the social distancing, uh, and, and so you know all these kind of different issues have arisen, but um, I think the. The restaurant and hospitality world has particularly focused on supporting one another. And you mentioned the food festival, the virtual food festival, uh, which we did on Bank Holiday Monday over Easter. And we've done another one recently, and it's we're continuing to do more. And, and, and that is a way of showcasing all the fantastic producers up and down the country, not just in, in the Southwest. And, and we're getting some pretty amazing chefs like Rick Stein and Mark Hicks and Nathan Outlaw and Jack and uh, Jack Stein and Ross Geach, who are the co-founders, the brain, the brains behind it, you know, really looking to support and champion producers, albeit with a, a sense of entertainment. And the financial element of putting on a, a virtual food festival online i mean it's 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 quite difficult but we've got this platform partner called crowdfunder and they they enable us to put up um uh, a small ticket price or rewards or prizes uh that people can pay for uh for example they can come and sit on our Zoomcast live on YouTube and ask questions directly to the chefs. And it's kind of weird because I'm sat in my kitchen in uh, Lyme Regis and there's Rick Stein in his kitchen in Sydney. And then somebody from another part of the of the world comes in on the screen and goes, oh, hi, you two. Rick, what's that fish you're cooking? You know, it's very interactive. It takes a lot of work and effort but the whole thing that underpins it is let's try and entertain one another let's get some big names to show people how they can support the struggling hospitality sector particularly uh, those people who are producers and suppliers that you know underpin the whole thing so you know that's been a success it's mm, really cool that i love it i mean in some ways you know, it's it's a shame because you're never going to recreate the buzz and the vibe of you know a, a, some of the other food festivals that I know you you host and the energy in those kind of spaces and the smells and all that kind of stuff is very different. But it is quite 
cool that you can link up somebody from New York, Sydney, Lyme Regis, you know, all at the same time and have the shared experience. This this lockdown would have been uh, much more torturous without the internet, I think, wouldn't it? Even having you and I having conversations like this, we're, we're, we're lucky, really. Yeah, we are. And, you know, I think that I've found a new respect for the internet and online technology. I think if you manage it in a in a perhaps a more positive way because uh, all of a sudden you know rather than going in a room of lots of people and being insular on your phone and ignoring those people around you lockdown for me I'm quite fortunate because I'm with my family we do have outside space and you know they're they're all healthy but the new way that we started to apply the technology means we're actually connecting with other people as opposed to ignoring those people closer to it. Yeah. And if you think of the sort of, hopefully not the long, long-term implications of this, but the well, medium knows, term, do yeah. you, do, yeah, exactly, who knows? Yeah, well, we're going to demonstrate our, our lack of knowledge now, Stephen, probably by talking about it, but yeah. do you have, do you still have bookings in for the sort of latter part of the summer for certain food festivals or have they all been postponed? Uh, some have been postponed and some are, um, and, I, and I take postponed as a sort of, uh, a a slightly more positive term than cancelled but I think I'm just really you know grabbing on with fingernails in the sense of hope of course obviously everybody needs to think about the safety and health of other people and you know you can't be selfish about it but you know there are there's the good life uh, experience uh, which is a festival which still is talking as if they're going to go ahead um, there's uh, an, a, another one uh, that is food and drink, uh, which uh, was postponed and have got new dates for it. There was a whole kind of grey area, as, as you know, with restaurants and events, where there was this suggestion that, you know, if they cancelled, they would be responsible for the cancellation. Or when the word came from the government then there was a sense of oh well you know maybe we'll be recompensed because it wasn't us who cancelled and you know that was all uh, very tricky wasn't it mm, well it seemed to be a bit of a myth i think there were certainly the, the talk was going around if you were forced to close by the government that your business interruption insurance would kick in and it would cover events and it would cover restaurants uh, and the like but that doesn't seem to be the case although i had a good chat with jack stein i wonder how yeah. he's getting on because he seemed to be one of the few that thought he, he might be covered but in general 99 percent of everybody i'm speaking to uh yeah does not have any insurance yeah and, uh, and therefore yeah without without these summer events so many of us in the southwest particularly i guess make our money in the summer to survive the winter and without them it's tricky to know how they're going to get through next winter i guess yeah well yeah one of the cookery schools vale house that I teach at uh, just outside of of Bath, Um, you know, we're we're having talks about doing classes online. And, you know, that model, which we were thinking about anyway before all of this happened, might be one way of still engaging with their customers or new customers. And um, I, I think that people are slightly more forgiving currently because they're not looking for super slick and five-star productions as, you know, we, we've been showing on uh, Slow Life, Good Life and the Virtual Food Festival. You know, I think that there's a sort of um, a need to create good content, uh, but it doesn't have to be 
a Hollywood version of that. Uh, and so I think it's fairly, it could be fairly easy to do as long as you've got the right space, the social distancing, somebody who can point an iPhone and somebody who can talk at the iPhone and, and, and you know, show them what they can do. Yeah, no, you're right. It does. It creates a world of opportunity. Um, a world of opportunity, I guess, doesn't work for the restaurateurs. What's your personal thoughts? I guess I'm, I'm guessing you're chatting to friends who who run restaurants and, and run pubs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's your personal perspective on on how this is going to pan out over the next few months? Are, are they expecting to open at some point over the summer? Have you had conversations around if there's any point to opening? If if you you know need to lose half of the tables in your space, have you got a perspective? Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole load of issues, and I think the, the, the there's a desire to want to get back and open, but you know I think it's very prohibitive. For one, as you just mentioned mentioned the the space that would be required between diners probably means that you won't be having a romantic dinner for two and uh banquet style dining isn't going to happen either the amount of covers in a restaurant which generates income because you've got more people in that's going to be affected um i think also it would be a slightly sterile um atmosphere i can't imagine people who are engaging who work front of house walking around with masks on wearing gloves i don't think that's going to evoke appetite and um the, the, the main issue is of course cost like the rental on restaurants and you know if if you can't earn money by not having enough people in or even being open then you know that's just going to cripple a lot of people yeah i i agree it's uh we've been looking at this in my restaurants and, and partly just sort of pacing out putting the tables apart and and how few covers you can get in with the amount of square meters you require to keep a sort of a table of four two meters from anybody else but yeah i just i just think hospitality is such a beautiful industry that when you walk into a restaurant it's it's the welcome smile it's the yeah. eye contact it's the it's the touchy feely intangibles of energy i've always said you know it's the art of being a restaurateur and not the science of being a restaurateur yeah. it's very hard to imagine in our culture although i'm looking over at uh, china and hong kong and seeing some of the restaurants there with perspex screens between tables and people wearing masks but yeah i can't help but feel that if that was the sort of hospitality experience you were going to get why wouldn't you just stay at home or, or get a takeaway it's, it's hard to imagine in the uk where yeah. pubs and and especially as we're coming into the winter and you've got kind of log burners in the corner and everybody you know everybody crowds around the bar and gets a pint of ale and it's that cozy energy that's created it's it's very difficult isn't it to imagine um yeah the, the future of hospitality over the next six or six or nine months yeah i mean all the great things about hospitality are stripped out in that sense aren't they and you know you, you can imagine that the sort of places which might choose a model of um uh like harvester you know where you go where you you have your table and you kind of go to the place where you serve yourself food from a counter and then like like a canteen i guess but you know that's not really what going out is all about it's about service it's about people connecting it's all of those emotional tactile things um that you, you just can't imagine not doing it, it's the experience is lost i think I, yeah. I yeah i don't have a very <laughs> positive view on it 
No, well, it's it's been interesting, isn't it? I think when I, you know, I've been doing these sort of uh, reactive podcasts, I suppose, for the probably the last four or five weeks, pretty much in, you know, since this happened, chatting specifically with with previous guests about their perspectives, and it's been interesting because in the first few, you know, I chatted to to Mitch Tonks and Will Beckett, and and at that point, it was much more around, okay, you know, we've got this three week closure, it will probably be extended a little bit, but then we'll reopen. But it feels in the last sort of four or five days that there's been this you know huge recognition of just how challenging it would be. And I suppose this this sort of plea or message to the government that says, look, at the minute, we, you know, we have got the furloughing support, so at least our teams are looked after. There yeah. is this uh, sort of forfeiture moratorium on rent. So although there isn't a, uh, a sort of a national approach to what to do about rent at the moment, at least businesses cannot be kicked out. But I think the the message now is people saying to the government, look, if, if you want to get out of some of this financial support by saying you are allowed to reopen, but you enforce physical distances, we all understand the principle of actually, it's almost a case of saying, look, this is a national health emergency. And, and it's not viable for us to open in this guise. And if you if you stop the support, and you almost force us to open with new parameters, you're probably going to see most of the hospitality industry go under in six months, because we're losing less money by being shut than we are by being open. Do you, yeah. do you think it's going to require the government support? And do you think that's realistic? Because, um, you know, how, how does how does the government support such a big sector uh, over that period of time? Yeah, I, I, I'm re- I, I just, I don't know the answers. And I, and I think, you know, I'm looking to people who are extremely positive. For example, Mitch, Mitch Tonks, I love Mitch Tonks. He is a shining, positive, amazing person. And every time I talk to him, I start to think, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe it's right. Maybe it's good. And, uh, you know, Mitch is over in Brixham. He's got access to all of these amazing uh, produce from from the sea. And he's focusing on, you know, being able to go down to the harbour side, go directly to the boats and the skippers who are bringing amazing fish. And, and, And he's... He, he's currently, you know, getting people to buy fish at the price that he would buy it. But, you know, obviously the restaurant isn't open. And, and what he's looking to do is to try and maintain, maintain that method of supporting the local supplier when his restaurant reopens. You know, he's, he's very looking forward to how the model might work. But of course, you know he's got to get to the point where that where he can uh, open the restaurants and, and that's the bit that i'm struggling with with me it's a big wall i don't have a restaurant but all of my friends <laughs> would you like all, um <laughs> uh, well come back to me on that yeah. <laughs> one day you'll be able to pick one up at a good price i reckon in a couple of months Stephen, if you're interested do you know what i think it's um i think it's amazing restaurants are amazing they're bloody hard work and you know it's really upsetting at the moment that all of these places that give so much you know they support so many people um are just currently dormant asleep and troublesome you know i i'm i can't see a positive in it but yeah. fingers, toes, everything crossed that we will get back to a point where they will. But they do need supporting. And, you know, the, the banks get support and they're big and other industries get support. So why not? 
Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, I think restaurants and bars for me are the you know the, the fabric of society. They're almost the point of being on planet Earth. I think if anything's come out of this crisis, it's reminded us of what a social species we are. And being able to go and stay in a in a hotel in a coastal town or even in a city, and, and being able to go to that local bar and restaurant and meet up with friends and colleagues, you know, it's it's such an important sort of point and reason to being yeah i'm I'm utterly convinced that that you know it will still exist in the future i guess the doubt is you know how how many will get through this yeah uh, and how long you know the the time period is i suppose but i I share mitch's optimism in the fact that you know we'll, we'll find a way to bounce back from this and i love the fact that you know so much of what we do particularly in the independent hospitality sector is about those incredible suppliers. You know, yeah. our job as a restaurateur should be easy, really. We should just find amazing producers, amazing produce, and then not screw it up and, and present it on the plate in a nice environment and nice surroundings. So the more we can do as an industry to help those suppliers stay afloat and come out the other side, and, and it's been sort of beautifully reassuring, I suppose, to see, despite the fact that our sector is on its knees, that we're out there, you know, feeding the NHS, looking after vulnerable people, looking after the suppliers. It reminds me of, of what a beautiful sector hospitality is, really, because it's all about people. It's never really been about money, I guess. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and there are also people who are kind of using this opportunity to change all of those uh, elements of, of the industry which really don't don't serve the customer and don't serve the supplier and so you know there is this this move to try and recalibrate and change those and and I see that going on it's just you know when the opportunity will arise for them to apply it in the old sense and one of the actually you know one of the things that I've enjoyed is um we did a Facebook Live cook-along with one of my mates, Luke Van Dorn Mackay, and he's one of the team for the Slow Life, Good Life. And, you know, you sit at home in your kitchen and you get given a recipe and a set of ingredients to cook along in real time. And, you know, people ask questions and there's a sort of, you know, there's a nice vibe there, but, you know, ultimately it doesn't replace the fact that you're not in the same room in a restaurant and uh, ultimately it's a kind of facsimile of it but it's a pretty good way of doing it every once in a while and mm. um, certainly scalable isn't it i mean you'd, you'd imagine if you know your your customer sort of potential is uh, is huge though and if you just got everybody to chuck in a quid to kind of join you for cook on live and you had half a million people watching at the other end you, you could probably survive for a while on that couldn't you see yeah, yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, uh, but you know, it, it, everything that everything that people are doing, particularly the people that I'm working with, and this is kind of something that really does underpin the the whole uh, notion of trying to, to 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 keep busy, is that all the money that has been raised thus far is going back into the community or going directly to suitable charities uh, and one of the crazy things is that i was working and, and continue to this is one of the elements that you asked earlier about whether or not my, my work has changed so I, I occasionally get to work with some amazing food brands and i was working with uh, a really brilliant uh, food brand uh, called blackthorn blackthorn salt up in Ayrshire and the brand's brilliant but the people who have 
come up with the product and the brand are truly wonderful, brilliant people too. And last week was the proposed launch date of Blackthorn Salt, right? And uh, just a little bit of background. Blackthorn Salt is a Scottish sea salt. And you know I'm really geeky about salt. I can talk about yeah, salt. Yeah, go for it. No, I love it. I share, but, I share your uh, enthusiasm. But um, up in Ayrshire, uh, they've created and built this wonderful wooden structure. It's like something from Game of Thrones. You know, it's it's built directly on the coastline, and they've filled this tower. It's called a kind of graduation tower with blackthorn branches. And they pump uh, Scottish seawater up to the top and it trickles down gravity fed and it kind of uh, concentrates the brine and the blackthorn gives it all sorts of different properties. And at the end of this wonderful, slow, natural process that gets dried by the winds, it's a kind of very natural hands-off process because normal processes to make salt includes uh, creating a lot or using a lot of energy, particularly to pump it and, and the warmth to create crystals. Anyway, they have created this wonderful sea salt, which has amazing crystals, amazing properties and tastes fantastic and is perhaps one of the most natural ways of doing it. So anyway, we had this launch all set up and uh, Of course, lockdown happened. And you know what? They said, okay, so we can't do it that way. Let's think about ways we can use this opportunity to try and launch a food brand in the worst time ever and see see where we can go, hopefully, you know, being respectful to everybody in the industry. So we came up with a couple of ideas and and we've got this wonderful... uh, product and we're going to send it out to people in my network and say look you know you're on lockdown um tell us what you think about this and then you know if you want to pass on the information to somebody else and they come back to the website and go oh thanks very much yeah send us send us one and they're doing all of this for free okay so they're sending their product out for free the second stage of this kind of really strange launch is to sell the product online and all the proceeds go to charity which is you know an amazing generous thing you know they've got the product they've got the stock and they're saying okay well let's not sit on it let's get it out there but let's use it as an opportunity to yes get some recognition and and traction but really they want to do something with their products that they, they weren't originally doing it's it's now a product for the time being to raise funds directly to charity and i think you know there's innovation there there's generosity of spirit there's a cleverness there's an acuteness of you know trying to keep something alive in the minds of people as well so when lockdown does eventually lift they they already would have had a connection and an audience and you know i think lots of other people will do something similar but it's not about commerce it is about the brand it is about supporting charities but you know it's a new way to market and i think that's i think that's forced upon them but they they're handling it in such a brilliant way 
Yeah. And it'd be nice to think, I guess, and, and, and I am seeing this positivity, whether it be the fact that more people are using their high street kind of greengrocers and, and butchers rather than using the big guy, certainly the amount of sort of support that we've had from our community, it does feel like an opportunity to, yeah, to create a, a community around, you say your brand or your business, but more just around, you know, sort of your life and your passion and, and what you do. And I do hope that the public remember all of these sort of, you know, the, the good guys through yeah. this crisis when, when they were on their knees financially, but they still made the right decisions. You know, I've seen so many chefs, I know Angela Hartnett and a lot of, a lot of the crew have been sort of, you know, working on the, the COVID-19 sort of NHS support. And you just think, oh, it's yeah. incredible when they've got no, you know, n- n- no income, no way of knowing if their business is going to survive. But fundamentally, it's all about looking after the community. And I hope to think that those people will be remembered off the back of this, you right. know, rather than some of the multinationals who've, who've possibly had some more negative publicity, I suppose, on accessing government funding when arguably they, they don't need it you're absolutely right you know it's kind of it's the backstory it's the new provenance isn't it where you get to think and see the the people behind it and you know angela and neil you know cooking pasta out of their kitchen in london and doing all of that stuff i mean it's absolutely brilliant also uh, leon you know making the fantastic meals using their kitchens to create for the nhs workers loads of people creating produce selling them and supporting people and making uh charitable donations this will be the new uh provenance i think there'll there'll, there'll be like a a kind of soil association uh uh, slow food or, or red tractor kind of branding on behavior in food how people conduct themselves as well as well as you know how it's produced i think that's that's what we're looking at yeah, I remember chatting um, a few months ago to Jamal Azal, who's from uh, Change Please, which is the f- coffee producer, you know, who, who supports the homeless and trains up the homeless guys to be baristas. And, you know, he was chatting about this, this sort of a next level of business, I suppose, which is going to be this business with a with a much more of a sense of social re- responsibility. And that what we've seen with capitalism historically of, you know, creating these huge global brands where they don't pay their taxes and all the money disappears offshore. You know, I, I think there is a new wave of entrepreneurs and, and that doesn't necessarily just mean young people. I think it's just people sort of slightly cynically looking at the system and going, well, this, you know, all the wealth being with the 1% doesn't seem to make sense. Can we do business for good? So as a deluded optimist, I, I like to think that we fast track some of that change through this process and that um yeah some of the some of the good guys will come out well off off the back of this yeah um you, you meant yeah go on sorry sorry no, the, you know you you can't discount how uh important that is mark because i mean even the very nature of of of, of you taking the time to put this podcast together you know you're showcasing all of that you, you you're kind of a conduit for a lot of all the good in the hospitality world and there's a sort of lack of selfishness uh, i find in our in, in our sector where you kind of champion other people all the time and there's this generosity of spirit i always think that if you go to somebody in the food world and say how do you make that souffle they'll tell you Whereas in other sectors, you say, how do you make that work? And they'll go, <laughs> I'm not telling you that. That's our USP. And, and, you know, it is important. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, it, and it's why I still manage to retain some sort of bouncy optimism for the fact that we will come through this, even though on paper it looks completely and utterly catastrophic. People keep saying, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, really. Considering if you looked at my life on, on paper, you go, oh, my God, you know, yeah. how do you get out of that? But actually... 
yeah, it's exciting, and, it, and it's mainly exciting because and, of the energy of exactly. the people we work with. You and Mitch Tonks are directors of optimism, and you know <laughs> a lot of us are just kind of slipstreaming your optimism and hanging on dearly to your coattails so that we can be taking <laughs> along. And you know, it requires you know um, optimism heroes and ambassadors of optimism. You know, there that's what we need. Well, I think it's, it's it's highs and lows. If you listen to my interview with Michael Bremner a few days ago yes. from uh, sixty four degrees, that was the, that was the flip side of optimism. We, we were laughing, but it yeah. was it was pretty much kind of like ah uh, yes, we are screwed as an industry. But uh, yeah, but that, highs and lows. But that's where optimism starts by being absolutely brutally honest with yeah, the situation. Uh, you know, yeah, hundred percent. Um, you mentioned earlier, so you've teamed up. Go just going back to the. Yeah. Uh, slow oh what's it yeah slow slow life good life yeah. so you mentioned beth and paul already had an online business was it was it in a similar field is this something that you've sort of merged together or was it different yeah so um beth and paul are serial entrepreneurs and uh you know if you compare their success with a lot of other people they you know they are they are also uh, serial overachievers <laughs> <laughs> They're brilliant. That is this amazing um, well-being guru and uh, a successful award-winning author. And Paul is absolutely brilliant. He's got a background in engineering. And, you know, you say, hey, Paul, how are you? Yeah, fine. I'm learning to be a Pilates teacher now. And you just think, will you just stop for five minutes? Yeah, and yeah just stop, showing us all up. Yeah, stop being brilliant. And um, they had uh, a business, Do What You Love. And it's like an online virtual school or classroom or hub where people can, you know, just learn how to improve their lives, whether it's uh, learning how to keep uh, a self-help journal or meditation or being positive. It's all kind of extremely uh, positive and, uh, I guess, is a platform for, for growing. And they already had an audience. And um, also, you know, Beth, uh, she writes books every five minutes, it seems. Um, it, she wrote a book, uh, an ebook, uh, in about 10 days recently. Uh, and, and you just think, wow, where do you get that energy from? And so it's been brilliant to team up with them. And so Slow Life, Good Life sits within that hub. As a, as a separate entity, but, you know, very much along a similar theme. And my wife, Ellie, and I have, you know, we've learned so much from working with them and um, with other people that I'm working with as well. We kind of just put our minds to trying to absorb and change and be put the time aside to grow, I think, and and take advantage of of the time that we've been forced to have. And uh, yeah, they've helped a great deal. Mm. Yeah, I feel sort of uh, guilty, disappointed, or I'm not sure what the word is, but, you know, with this enforced sort of rest and slow down, really want to make sure that, you know, I, I don't waste it and make the most of it. But the reality is that I've been ridiculously busy, you know, first of all, shutting yeah. down the business, then trying to work out how to access various levels of funding and pay the team. And now looking at kind of, you know, resetting up and we're, we're looking at getting the takeaway started. But I do think there does seem to be an opportunity for exactly that, you know, slow life, good life is a, is a great name as it, as is do what you love. It feels like 
we're very blessed in some ways to have been given this opportunity. If you can ignore the, the disastrous financial implications, um, yeah. there is an opportunity to, to reset. So if people want to follow Slow Life, Good Life, where do they go? And this is basically you and a lot of your sort of friends yeah, so, uh, in the feel-good sector. Exactly. Yeah, just explain a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. So it's uh, Slow Life goodlife.com it's a website uh, uh it's a subscription based and uh, that's never a, it's not, a bargain though isn't it it's only a fiver well it's it is it's a fiver and and that's the price of a pint and i'm putting my hands in prayer position looking up to the sky and crossing and doing everything to say let's hope one day we'll be able to spend that fiver again in a pub uh or you know price of a couple of cups of coffee it's it's a minimal amount and um we've got a really nice group people uh are engaging in the content because it's broad and wide but it's all positive and i pop up and say hey you know we didn't want to know how to smoke a fish or somebody comes up and goes hey do you want to know how to create fantastic recipes using tins of tomatoes and then we've got somebody who's going right now you've had all of that food do 20 press-ups and follow me on this and then have a meditation session or go out and um, try and uh, enjoy your hour of exercise in nature and forage for wild garlic and learn how to make sourdough. It's it's kind of, it's really nice because there's a community out there and it's nice to have, well, it's me talking here. It's nice to have an audience, even if you can't see them. But, you know, it's really a, a lovely way of giving because all of that subscription, all the proceeds of that subscription goes back into the community and that community are certainly the people who have created a lot of the content that we're that we're putting up and um it seems to be working you can also follow us on instagram but it's the website where you go into the classrooms and have access to that content and then the other side of it is the community page we have on facebook and that and that's where we do all our interaction going you know questions and answers and how are you getting on and tell us what you're doing uh and the and the friday night lives they go out at seven o'clock and we've had cook-alongs we've had um yoga sessions and this you're one, not teaching those are you steve no but i'm trying my best to uh, <laughs> to, to follow follow along i pull a muscle opening my laptop but we've got a- i would pay a fiver for the entertainment of watching you well you're in class, you're in then okay it's fine and uh, uh, if I, can, can i send you the outfit <laughs> yeah i've got the yeah is it the sort of green goddess you know the lycra uh, leotard i have to dust that off uh, and this yeah, friday but- we've got a pub quiz with uh, an amazing local brewery gilton uh, and flint and and so it's all it's about it's like being a tv producer in a way uh creating content which is hopefully engaging and uh building an audience uh, but you know the idea behind it is the kind of classic telethon idea yeah, trying to to raise money same with the virtual food festivals uh, as well really trying to yeah. trying to where's the best place to go to find the virtual food festival is that got its own yeah so we, thank you we've got um our own domains which is the virtualfoodfestival.org and um, that uh, is where a lot of our uh, information is based around the suppliers and and the content Uh, but that also links you directly 
to the revenue generating aspect on the crowdfunder platform, which is uh, a, a brilliant way to engage as well as uh, help create uh, an income that will support the suppliers that we're championing. You put up rewards. Uh, but the big production element of that is uh, held on YouTube Live. So we've got a YouTube Live virtual food festival uh, on YouTube, and we do regular food festivals, which are all day festivals with amazing chefs. Uh, but we're also interspersing that with uh, programs that we call virtual food festival fringes. We did one on Sunday, which was um, meeting a supplier, chatting to a supplier. I interview those. Uh, Jack Stein, who's Rick Stein's son, and Ross Geach, who is uh, uh, an ex-chef, but now uh, a an amazing grower producer in Padstow. Um, they come on and have a chat. We have the opportunity for people to engage in the front row, we call it. People have paid a couple of quid to be there on the front row and they can ask questions as well. So, you know, that's that's another platform. Uh, and um, the other people that uh, I was talking about, the salt, which is um, Blackthorn. Uh, sea salt um, we're currently creating a website for the for those guys where you can uh, hopefully buy the, the the salt online and uh, all those proceeds go to charity as well so th- th- same as you busy 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 yeah busy busy you're certainly not bored are you i had jack signed on the podcast actually a few weeks ago he was hilarious he was, he hilarious. <laughs> he was, he was he's good value very very funny pretty, okay he, well look where his kids sort of like messing around in the background uh, no, I think he was fairly quiet. There couldn't have been any kids because he used quite a lot of expletives, particularly when describing the Daily Mail. So I don't think they would have been um, allowed yeah. to listen. It was it was definitely an X-rated uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah, he was it. quite cross. Yeah, did yeah. you? Yeah, 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 he was yeah. quite. He was quite angry. Yeah, he is. He's passionate though. And, and I yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. I, I gave him a standing ovation because he was. Um, you know, he went on a ten-minute rant, and it was. It's well worth a listen to uh, to anybody who's not heard it. So great. yeah, check yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, look, you thank you for sparing well. the time and staying so positive. Oh, go on, sorry. Sorry, I talked over you there. Uh, you, you do that so well. You allow people to just kind of be themselves. And I think it's a brilliant platform. And uh, the, this forum is it's always a pleasure to be on, Mark. And, uh, you know, thanks for giving us the opportunity and, and spreading the optimism too. Yeah, no worries. No, thank you. It's it's lovely to have such a, a network of good egg, positive human beings who are out there doing some good stuff. And, uh, and yeah, le- leading, I suppose, on that responding positively and creatively and going, look, I'm not just going to sit under a desk. I might be doing it occasionally, sitting under my desk and, and sobbing, but I think most of us are getting out there and going, okay, you know, we've got to make the best of this. Uh, and aren't we lucky that either, yeah, we're not, you know, we're not we're not working in the NHS and making life and death decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, we're just trying to have right. some fun with food and drink, aren't we? So, well, anyway. uh, look, thank you, um, Stephen. And I'll put some links up on the website myself for thank where you. to go. But um, hugely appreciated. Good luck. Uh, I hope all of this sort of stuff works out and you find a way of paying the mortgage. But, yeah, stay fit and healthy and um, we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, thank you. Will do. And uh, as soon as we've finished here, I'll go and get that green lycra leotard on and send you <laughs> the yoga class. <laughs> Perfect. I will. Uh, I'll pay my fiver, and I will be there uh, supporting. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers, mate. 
okay, well, look, I cannot apologize enough if that is your closing image in your minds is Stephen and I uh, doing an online yoga class. I am very, very sorry. But hopefully you enjoyed our chats and I will be back on the air again very soon with another guest. Pop over to humansofhospitality.co.uk and I will put a few links up to the various websites that Stephen and I chatted about and uh, have a great week. Thank you so much.